Welcome to this week's Think Jewish. This week's Torah portion is Mitzorah, the uh, purifying laws and process of the leper. And uh, many, many holy books, they refer to this Torah portion actually as the portion of Tahara, the portion of purity, rather than calling it Mitzorah. However, this Shabbat is also going to be the Shabbat before the Rebbe's birthday, which is on the 11th day of the month of Nisan, and therefore we're going to dedicate this class to understanding, as uh, the exact title is, the Rebbe, a man of oneness, a man of many, understanding a Rebbe and his role. I also want to let know that this is going to be the last um, class before Passover. God willing, we will resume our weekly classes after Passover, and I'll send out a notice uh, on the week that we start up. Okay, let's begin. In good business, business ethics, one never speaks negatively of his competition. One only speaks of his own or her own point of advantage. To speak of, one owns, of one's own point of advantage is just to express his faith in his own product and his own service with pride. In Chabad, the point of advantage of which we speak with great pride is the Rebbe. The Rebbe, in his own right and in his selfless commitment to others, has drawn Jews of every affiliation, of no affiliation, to seek his advice, prayer, and leadership. Yet the point of advantage within Chabad, worldwide, globally, all the Chabad houses, um, the point of advantage is the dual relationship, also of the relationship that the Chassid has for the Rebbe, once with the Rebbe, once when the Rebbe was asked about this great devotion of the Chassid to the Rebbe, the Rebbe responded, it is but a reflection of my devotion to them. So, the mere fact that Chabad all over the world, where none others have traveled, where many have come back from, that in itself speaks of our great faith and commitment into our service, our product, who we are, and what we stand for. But let's talk about now, very interesting, this topic of Rebbe, the role of a Rebbe, and the relationship between a Chassid and a Rebbe. Because that clearly is the essence of the point of advantage that Chabad globally has in its work amongst tens of thousands of communities. Most often when one speaks of the Rebbe or one does research on a Rebbe, what are you going to end up finding? Miracle stories. There's always stories. Stories of the Rebbe, the Rebbe performed a miracle and medically, financially, and uh, couldn't have children, and all of a sudden turned to the Rebbe. But I question, is that what a Rebbe is? Is the Rebbe a miracle worker? So let's share a story that sh should very clearly answer this question. Once a chassid of the fifth Lubavitch Rebbe, Rabbi Sholem Dovber of Lubavitch, 
The Chos's name was Rabbi Gerari, and he was traveling with a group of Chassidim, not Chabad Chassidim, each Chassid of a different dynasty. And as very often the custom, when Chassidim get together, especially of different dynasties, they talk about the different stories of their Rebbe. So each one went on to tell a story, a miracle story of their Rebbe. After they each finished their story, they turned around to Rabbi Gerari and said, No, share with us a story, a miracle story of your Rebbe. So Rabbi Gerari spoke and he said that I am a businessman. And very often I take business advice from my Rebbe. One time I was facing a huge business opportunity. I took advice from my Rebbe and I lost a huge amount of money. And he gets quiet. All the other Hasidim from the other dynasties are waiting to hear, you know, okay, what's the end of the story? But none was forthcoming. So they asked Rabbi Gerari, what's the miracle? And Rabbi Gerari answered, the miracle is that I'm still his Hasid. So you understand in the world of Chabad, even though it is absolutely refreshing to our faith in the times, these dark times of exile when Mother Nature weighs down on us heavily, the persecution and darkness of exile dulls our spirituality very heavily. So it is very refreshing to us, to our faith to see how there is a strong connection between the Jewish person and the hand, the divine hand within the glove of Mother Nature. And that's really what prayer is in time of need. When we pray to Hashem, what we're talking about is directly to the hand, the divine hand within the glove of Mother Nature. That's what prayer is, asking Hashem for direct intervention. But nevertheless, very often, we feel our prayers go unanswered. So it is definitely a strengthening of faith, a munah, when we see a tzaddik's prayer to be answered. So these miracle stories of a Rebbe is very important in these very dark times to strengthen our faith in a munah. But it doesn't explain what a Rebbe is, what the role of a Rebbe is, and it doesn't explain the foundation of the relationship between Chassid to Rebbe. So, being as I mentioned in the opening that today is, not today, the Shabbat that we're going to, uh, we're talking, we always give a class for the upcoming Shabbat. This Shabbat is going to be the Shabbat before the birthday of the Rebbe. The Rebbe's birthday is going to be on Friday. And it's very interesting because this year comes out exactly as it was in the year that the Rebbe was born. In 1902, the Rebbe's birthday was on a Friday. That was born on a Friday. And therefore, let's dedicate this week, this class, to understand Rebbe, role of a Rebbe, and the relationship of devotion and commitment from a chassid to a Rebbe, which as I quoted to you, the Rebbe's words himself, is a reflection of the Rebbe's commitment and devotion to his chassid. So let us begin. King David... In the book of Psalms, chapter 55, verse 19, he talks of a very dark time when his own son of Shalom went to war against him. 
And what happens? He says over there, I'll say the verse as it is, and then I'll translate it. Pada b'shalom nafshi ki hayu imadi. Translation is, he redeemed my soul with peace for, from the battle that came upon me because of the many were with me. And obviously stick in brackets, many people who were with me. Our sages explain this, that there's two emphases going on in this verse. Number one, pada bishalom, that the redemption from the war was a peaceful one. Big difference. We've seen it, we've lived through it, our generation lived through it. We've seen when walls of communism and persecution had to come down through bloodshed and then we saw thank god when the icon of communism the walls came down in peace it's a different world when it comes down peacefully without <laughs> tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people dying so king david emphasizes that this was pada bishalom not always do we have a redemption with peace from war this one was with peace the second emphasis, which our sages tell us is the reason for the first emphasis, is kiberabim hayu imadi. For the many were with me. The Jerusalem Talmud, which was actually 200 years before the Babylonian Talmud, the Jerusalem Talmud tells us that what does it mean that the many were with me? And he explains that... Even the men of Avishalom, even the soldiers that were fighting under Avshalom, were actually praying for the peace and the victory of King David. And that's what it means for the many were with me. And now we understand that because of that, the many were with me, not only was there victory, but the victory was a peaceful one. This latter emphasis of the many were with me is going to serve tonight as a window to understand what, what a Rebbe is. However, let us first understand these words. What does it mean? We seem to be mentioning three things here. The many, the me, and the many were with me. So we have the many, we have the individual, and we have the unity between the many and individual. And that's what brings about peace. The redemption, even from war, will happen with peace. Let's go ahead and look about this, okay? Where should we look? People think for a moment, where do we have clear laws and spiritual differences between an individual and a many? Is in the laws of prayer. Here we have difference in law. Certain prayers you can't even say when you daven alone. You need a quorum, a minion. So let's turn to prayer and see what this dynamic of the tzibur, the many, and what is the, the dynamic of the yachid, the individual. And then we'll get a spiritual insight into how we connect the two. Because that is the power of prayer. Just as we just spoke, that the power of Padabi Shalom was the Rabim 
were imadi. The power of the redemption with peace came about because the many were with me. So, let's begin with the Talmud's discussion of two contradictory verses in prayer. Verse number one comes from Isaiah, chapter 55 again, verse six, and it says as follows. Seek the Lord when he is found, call him when he is near. It speaks of the individual and that when a person prays individually, his prayers are heard and answered. The terminology of the verse there is in singular. So we're talking about the individual prayers and not only the individual prays, but it is answered. Now let's turn to another verse which comes from the five books of Moses in Deuteronomy in chapter 4. And what does he say there? For what great nation is there that has God so near to it as the Lord our God is at all times that we call upon him. Here the emphasis is plural, we. And from here we learn clearly that when is a prayer answered without being put under a microscope, the spiritual microscope of intention and purity, worthiness, that happens when you daven with a minion. So here we have a very clear, what seems to be contradiction between two verses. In Isaiah it says that the individual's prayer is answered, while in Deuteronomy it makes an emphasis that it is the prayer of the many, the tefillah b'tzibur, praying with a minion, that allows a prayer to be answered. So our sages point out that if you look at the terminology of the verse, it answers already the contradiction. If you remember, what does the first verse say? Seek the Lord, singular, seek the Lord when he is found. Call him when he is near. We're not talking about any time. We're talking about a specific time. When he is found and he is, he is near. And our sages asked, when is the time when God is found and God is near? And the answer is, Aseret Yemei Teshuvah. The ten days from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, which are the ten days of Teshuvah, of repentance, there is such a great power in those ten days that the individual's prayer takes on the power of the many, of the Tzibur, and thus it is answered. However, what's about the other rest of the year, all the other days of the year, that we have to follow the second verse. If you want to make sure that your prayer is answered without you and your prayer being and your request being put under the microscope, pray with a minion. It's important to pray with a minion. And therefore, we'd like to share that over here, as you know, as of right now, we do not have a weekly minion but we do have a Friday night minion at 7.30, Shabbat morning minion at 9.30, and then again Shabbat afternoon at 7.30. But the question really here on the table is, what? What is it about these 10 days of Teshuvah that imbues, empowers the individual's prayer with the power of the many? That's what we need to discuss over here. The answer is that these 10 days carry 
a very special divine presence. This special divine presence, by the way, we're not speaking abstract. Every Jew actually feels it. Every Jew feels God's presence closer, Rosh Hashanah, the eight days in between Rosh Hashanah, or the seven days, because Rosh Hashanah is two days, the seven days in between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and Yom Kippur. We feel God closer to us. We feel closer to God. And as an outcome of that, we feel more Jewish and more committed to Torah and mitzvot, to our relationship with God. That's just very practical. Now, where does this feeling come from? Where does this presence come from? So here I'd like to introduce that within the neshama itself, it comes from within you. Because within your neshama, you have that oneness. In the language of Kabbalah and Hasidut, it's called Yechida. In Spanish, they refer to it as Chispa de Chodillo. In Yiddish, they refer to it as the Pintaliyid. That oneness of your soul, that power of that oneness of your soul is reacting to the presence of the oneness of God that is revealed. The presence is here in those high holy days. That oneness of your neshama, that yechida, has you feeling and connecting to that power that we just quoted from the Talmud. That all of a sudden the prayer of the one has the power of the many and goes answered. So you see, within ourselves, we have these two dynamics that King David speaks of and that the Code of Jewish Law speaks of concerning the laws of prayer. Within ourselves, we have the oneness, the one, the yechida. And within ourselves, we also have a minion. Within ourselves, we have the many. You know that in Genesis it says, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness. The image and likeness is that our infrastructure, our psyche, our soul is made up of seven different faculties. The three intellects and the seven emotions, which is our reflection of the ten holy emanation, the ten spherot. In the books of Kabbalah and Hasidus, we speak of the power of minion is that we should gather together our internal minion, align our intellects and our emotions with a congruency and a unity that forms a minion and thus the oneness is connected to the minion, the many, the many is connected to the one and that is the power of prayer. And that is how we have our prayers answered in our time of need. So we spoke of the community minion, we spoke of the individual minion, we spoke of the oneness of the soul and how that plays within the internal minion and how that gives the power to the one in his prayer of the many. So too with King David, a much deeper dimension in the many and the one and the many were with the one. Okay, let's talk about Teshuvah. The question is, 
Why these 10 days? Every day should have that divine presence of God. Why is it only on these 10 days, the high holiday period? And the answer is because they're called the 10 days of Teshuva. What does Teshuva mean? Teshuva, according to Hasidus and Kabbalah, is not only about being forgiven for the past, it actually means to rectify the past. So it is one thing where we're taught in the Talmud that none of your past sins will be mentioned. Okay, but the past is still the past with sins. But for whatever reason, we won't mention it. You said, I'm sorry, we won't mention it. You know, there's this uh, saying, <laughs> very often you hear it from the female species with great respect to the females in the room. When they say, we forgive, but we don't forget. So this notion of not just being forgiven for the past, but rectifying the past, undoing the past, is what Teshuvah is really all about. We don't just want to be forgiven for the sins we did. We want to rectify the mess we made in the entire supernal cosmos with our mistake. Leading divine energy into where it doesn't belong. That needs to be rectified. Which leads us to a very important question. The past is in the past. How is it that one can really do teshuva according to Hasidus and Kabbalah? Now I understand that the outcome of the past I can try to change in the present and the future. But to rectify the actual action which took place in the past... How can you do that? The past is in the past. You can't undo the past. I can make it up to you. I can make sure that you don't suffer because of what I did in the past. But I can't rewind the clock. I can't actually undo what I did. Yet that is what Siddhis and Kabbalah says Teshuvah does. So therefore we're now understanding that what is Teshuvah? Teshuvah is all about reaching that oneness which transcends the limitation of time. There is that point of oneness where past, present, and future are one and the same. To really do Teshuvah according to Kabbalah and Hasidus is to reach that place of oneness within you, through that connect to the oneness within God, where you transcend this entire umbrella which separates time into primarily three categories, past, present, and future. What does that mean? Let's talk a, an emotional language. Let's talk a language we can relate to. What that means is that there's a place within the oneness of my soul where the regret of the past, the commitment of the future, and the devotion of today is all one. There is a place in my soul where my relationship with God is of such great oneness that it transcends geographical or time or experiential differences. How many times do we understand 
that when a Jew is in shul, he's different than when he's in the club. When a Jew is standing on Rosh Hashanah, he's different than when he's standing July 4th at a barbecue party. We know that our soul is affected geographically by time, by experience. I'm not always holy. Therefore, that level of soul represents the many. Because there's many dynamics. And they all play a difference in my soul's commitment and devotion to God and His Torah and His mitzvot. However, when we reach a place within our soul where there's a oneness, it doesn't make a difference to this point of the soul, this chispa de chodio, this, this pintaleyid, this oneness. It doesn't make a difference if you're Yom Kippur in the shul, if you're on a cruise trip, eating frozen kosher meals. It doesn't make a difference. Doesn't make a difference. Time, place, environment. Because that pintalayid is a oneness which transcends beyond past, present, future, here or there. So now we understand that teshuva is all about reaching that place of oneness, and through that you connect to the oneness of God, and yesterday is rectified today. That is the power of teshuva, an unbelievable power. However, my friends, to remain only in that abstract commitment of oneness is not teshuva. We need to somehow bring that abstract oneness into time and space of relativity. Because there are differences in how we behave, where we are, who we're with, what's going on in my life. And therefore understand there's the oneness, there's the many, and there is the uniting the oneness with the many, that the many should be impacted by the one. That's what the Shuvah is really all about. The Shuvah is not just with me being in a protected, locked environment of my office, or a shul, or a Yom Kippur, and reaching that oneness, knowing all too well that tomorrow, when I go back to my office, It'll start with a little white lie, turn gray, eventually absolutely black. So the real teshuva is connecting the oneness of my soul with the minion of my soul. The differences, that which is impacted by the place and by the time. That's what teshuva is. Thus we now understand that the process of a teshuva is really the process of kiberabim hayu imadi. It's really about the internal minion. Finding the one, finding the minion, and bringing them together. Now we understand what it means that the 10 days of teshuva, that's the divine presence. The power of the oneness connecting with the many. Thus the Talmud tells us, based on the verse from Isaiah, that the individual has the power of prayer of the many. Because that's what Teshuvah is all about. And if these 10 days are called by Jewish law, 10 days of Teshuvah, that means that that is the universal time of the many stood with me. Universally, that energy is so reachable. I said it, you made Teshuvah, the 10 days of Teshuvah. The power of the oneness which can rectify the yesterday today. 
the connection between the one oneness of commitment and the differences of where I am, who I am, why I am, and what's going on in my life. Therefore, we acknowledge Isaiah's verse. There's a time. There's a time where even the one can connect with the many. And without a minion, you still have the power of that prayer. Let's talk about the Rebbe now. Because the Talmud in Tractic Ta'anit that talks about the laws of fasting, it mentions over there that there are individuals who are treated in heaven as the many. Even things that are normally only granted in heaven to the many are granted to certain individuals. Who is, uh, first of all, why? Why is it so? And the Talmud states, because the many depend upon him. Thus in heaven, this individual is looked upon as the many, the many that depend upon him. Who is the Talmud talking about in this specific case? It's talking about Moses, the first Rebbe of the Jewish people, Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses our Rebbe. And it tells us clearly that here is an individual that is a man of many. So we're talking here of a Rebbe now as a man of many. Let's talk about, according to Chassidus, what this means. There's a very interesting teaching how the Jewish people are really one body and every soul in the generation is a different organ of this one body. That means that the Torah tells us that the Jewish people are actually one unit. Every Jew in this generation is part of this one unit. And then we each have different, different talents, just like every organ has a different individual, individuality. What is a Rebbe? Rebbe, the acronym in Hebrew letters for the word Rebbe, Resh Bet Yud, we are taught is Rosh B'nai Yisrael. Rosh means the head of the children of Israel. What does this mean? What, what does this mean in practical terms? What is the teaching of the sages telling us? What it's telling us is that there are souls that, like I quoted to you from the Talmud concerning Moses, they are not individual souls. They are souls upon which the many depend upon. What does that mean? What that means is that in your body, there is an organ which within that organ is inclusive of every single organ of your body, which is that? The head. They're actually working now very hard because of stroke victims, so forth and so on. They're working very hard to map out the entire body in the brain. The power of sight is within the specific cells in the brain. The power of speech. Everything exists within the brain. And therefore, when we talk about the brain, the Rosh Bene Israel, we're talking about that individual organ which is a man of many. When we talk about a Rebbe being Rosh Bene Israel, 
We're talking about what that Talmud said about Moses. We're talking now about a whole deeper dimension in the words of King David. For the many were with me. A very deep dimension of what those words mean now. King David carried that same phenomenon. There's a teaching that the heart of the king is the heart of the entire people. There are certain mitzvot which can only be given to the king because we need to find that one individual who is what we call the one of many. This concept of being one of many is what we do when we talk about a Rebbe. Now let me share with you what that means. You will have, the, by the way, these are documented stories. Stories that individually, I mean, I know from myself and I know from friends. You will have two people asked by the Rebbe, a blessed memory, the exact same question about the exact same situation and they both got different answers. How can that be? From what I just shared with you, it makes so much sense. Because it's not only important what the situation is, it's important which organ the brain is talking to. Because every organ has its own blessed gifts of individuality. You can't give the same answer to two different people. Let me take it a step further. When you ask a friend, a real, wise, caring friend for advice, no matter how much he cares about you and how much the advice will be so, it'll sound so right. At the end of the day, what's going to be happening is there are two individuals here, you and your friend. Which ultimately means that there's the gap between you, that you think differently, you react differently, you're emotionally differently. So therefore, even though I love you, I care for you, I really want to try to use all my experience, the knowledge from the Torah, the knowledge from on the field, to give you the best advice possible. At the end of the day, I am me, you are you, and I can only understand you the way I can understand you. I can only understand the situation the way I understand how you are in this situation, and I can only give you the best advice that I can the way I see would work out best for you. But with all those eyes and you's and you's and eyes, at the end of the day, I am not you, you are not I, and there'll always be that gap. When the brain talks to its body, every single organ of its body, you don't have that gap. And that's why you have this dimension of a Rebbe being Rosh Bnei Israel giving two people to the exact same situation, different answers. Because when a Rebbe speaks, a brain talks to an organ. There is no gap. And thus go back again to that Talmudic statement about Moses. Heaven treats certain individuals as the many because the many depend upon them. Add now the Kabbalistic twist to that. Because there are individuals that their entire being as Rosh B'nai Israel is to be the many. That one organ which encompasses the many. Now go back to what King David said. The Padabi Shalom Nafshi. Why Padabi Shalom Nafshi? Why was this redemption peaceful? 
Because it wasn't about two individuals. It was about a brain and its organ. Here was a one which had the many and the many united to the one. On a personal level. As a father, I can very clearly tell you I've tasted this Rebbe relationship. Why? <laughs> very simply speaking. Because when my oldest son trained me well and I finally got this whole parenting down pat, along came my second son, who was very different than my first son, in very many ways opposite of my first son, and I immediately learned that you do not homogenize the one and the many. When we talk about the one of the many, we're not talking about a homogenization of the many. Because then the Rebbe would have the same answer to every single person and it wouldn't work. Just as as a father, I can tell you, what worked with my oldest son, God bless him, didn't work with my second son. And what worked with my second son didn't work with my next four kids. Because the one of the many is all about being the one of the many as the many are and remain many. I don't want my second son to be like my first son. I don't want my first son to be like my second son. I'm not in the cologne business. I'm in the parenting business. The one and the many, they're different. And that's the power. That's the power of a Rebbe. The Rebbe sees the many as many. And has to deal as a man of many to this many as they remain the many. A minion has to be ten. But to create a minion, you have to find the oneness, the one of the many. And thus the first thing we talk about the Rebbe is a man of many. And if you looked at the line, which I many times just sat there in amazement. And you can go ahead today and see it online. If you watch the Sunday dollars of the Rebbe, and you ask yourself how any human being can within the same 10 minutes speak to one of the world-renowned Rosh Yeshivas, met at, in those 10 minutes with Rabbi Kaduri, met with a businessman, met with a man whose hair was spiked pink with a nose ring. You tell me which man can do that. If I'm in Rosh Yeshiva mode, I'm giving a shiur. If I'm in spiked hair mode, I'm talking about a whole different dimension of Judaism. The Rebbe, as the Talmud says about Moses in Tractic Tanit, is a one of many. Because when the Rebbe stood there by dollars, and the Rosh Yeshiva, and the great Kabbalist of blessed memory, and the businessman, and the teenager with the nose rings and the pink hair, they were all to the Rebbe, a brain talking to its many organs, understanding that the Rosh Hashiva will not survive without the man with the pink hair. Just as the businessman will not survive without the, the Kabbalist. A man of many. Now let's take the exact opposite approach to the Rebbe. Not a man of many, but a man of oneness. The Rebbe, in his very own answer when the Rebbe was asked what is the role of a Rebbe the Rebbe did not speak of himself as a man of many 
Rather, the Rebbe spoke of himself as a man of oneness. Let me share with you what the Rebbe said. The Rebbe said, my job is to connect the Jew in Israel with the Jew in Australia, with the Jew in America, with the Jew in the former USSR. Then the Rebbe didn't use the word former. So, of course, I went to my mentor and said, what does this mean? So he shared with me a very interesting teaching. He showed it to me. There's an unbelievable teaching which says that the Jew in the free world who puts on tefillin empowers the Jew in communist Russia under persecution for religion to put on tefillin in hiding. And the Jew in that world who hides and with great self-sacrifice studies Torah and teaches Torah, he gives the Jew in the free world the power and the pride to stand up against assimilation. Because we are one people where one organ strengthens the other organ. However, for that to happen, we need to have the brain which takes 364, I'm sorry, 247 organs and makes them into one unit. Not in my notes, but let me, let me go off on a tangent for a moment. I shared this in the high holidays. Let me share it again. A little wave. A little wave is coming along, blowing, so proud, growing and growing. And all of a sudden, as it's picking up power and speed and feels so heroic and amazing, he sees where he's ending up. And he goes into a total panic. Comes along an old seasoned wave and looks at the young wave and says, Hey, chump, what are you so, what are you so panicky about? So what, what do you mean? Don't you see what's our end? We're going to crash into those stones and just boom, gone, dead. And the old wave answered the young wave. That all depends how you define yourself, as the wave or as the ocean. The power of a Rebbe is to imbue the waves with the absolute consciousness that they are the ocean. And thus the Jew in Russia who has to hide, in the days of old, who has to hide to be able to study Torah, that part of the ocean gave the Jew in America, the power to wear his Star of David proudly and stay away from assimilation. And the Jew on Fifth Avenue, who was asked by this little 13-year-old black hatter, excuse me, sir, are you Jewish? Yes. Would you like to put on tefillin? Mm, all right. That gave power to the Jew in Russia to be able to hide and put on tefillin and pray to God. So here we see the dynamic of the Rebbe not as a man of many, but as a man of oneness. The job here of the Rebbe is to make sure that all the different organs don't define themselves as different organs, but as one body. That all the waves don't see themselves as waves beginning and ending with their own identity, but as part of the ocean. On a personal level, Individual level, Chosid Rebbe. I spoke to you before that within us there is the one and the many. 
the individual relationship between a chos and a rebbe is all about connecting to the rebbe and allowing and the rebbe reaching in and bringing out that oneness within you so that it becomes within reach of your many and thus life becomes a very different life imagine if all our mitzvot all our jewish commitments all our parenting commitments, all our community commitments, all our, every part of us, all the many hats, or for today let's call it all the many waves in our life, were all simple expressions of the one ocean. That's what the Rebbe personally offers a chassid. Bringing out the oneness within the many of every single individual. And then that becomes from the microscopic into the macroscopic that we look at every Jew as one individual of the many. And now you understand the point of advantage that the Rebbe imbues every Chabad house with, every Chabad emissary with. To be able to see every single Jew as an individual of the many who is part of the oneness. Let me say that again. To be able to see every single Jew, every individual Jew of the many, as part of the great big oneness. And thus the Rebbe gives directives. Here are two directives of the Rebbe. Directive number one. Don't tell a Jew what mitzvah to do. Ask the Jew which mitzvah he or she wants to do and make it possible. An unbelievable directive. Don't tell the Jew what mitzvah they should do. Ask the Jew what is their individual soul connection mitzvah. What is the mitzvah that talks to you? What's the mitzvah that your soul and your body yearns to do? And then I will make myself available to you. To see the many, the individuality. And then here's another beautiful directive from the Rebbe. The job of a teacher is to connect the student to God and then get out of the way. Here are two directives that can only come from a true man of many, a man of oneness. A man who sees the oneness in the many and respects the many in the oneness. That is the point of advantage of Chabad Lubavitch International. That is the point of advantage of Rebbe, the role of a Rebbe, and the relationship with a Rebbe. In closing, no chassid is going to ever talk about a Rebbe without telling a story. So, here is my personal favorite story. There was a chassid who was returning from New York to home. Calls up a car service and orders a car service to JFK, the airport. But he tells the driver that I just want you to know that you're going to have to pass the exit for the airport on the Belt Parkway. You're going to go two exits down 
to Springfield Boulevard. You'll get off at that exit. You're going to take me to the cemetery because I'm going to go to the Ohel of the Rebbe. I want to pray by the Ohel before I return home, but I will pay you for your time. So my flights at 3 pick me up at 11. We have a trip to make. We have a stop to make. And then we have to return back to the airport on time. Okay. He's getting paid. He's happy. So they pull up to the Ohel. The Chassid goes and prepares himself. And then goes in to pray by the Ohel. And meanwhile, a man by the name of Rabbi Abba Refsin. If any of you have ever visited the Ohel, he is the fine young man who actually is there as the Chabad Shliach, greeting Jews who come, explaining, talking, whatever Chabad Rabbi does all over the world, he's blessed and fortunate to be doing it at the Ohel. So he goes up to this car service driver, who happens to be a Russian Jew, and asks him, Sir, I noticed that the chassid went out, it's going to be a couple of minutes, would you like to put on tefillin? No, thank you. Very, very politely, kindly declined. Okay. It wasn't long after where that guy comes to Rabbi Abba Refsin and says, please help me put on tefillin. Show me how. So, you know, as they say in Hebrew, Masha batuach, batuach, you don't take chances. So before any conversation, he did it. Put on tefillin with the Jew. After the tefillin was off, he says, can you please explain to me the change of mind? He says, yeah. Over here you have this house. I went into the house and I see a video of the Lubavitcher Rebbe playing. And I asked someone, why, why is there a video of the Lubavitcher Rebbe playing here by the cemetery? So he explained to me what the Ohel is, that this is where the Lubavitcher Rebbe is buried. And then he turns around to Rebbe and says, so let me tell you my story of the Rebbe. In the early 60s, I left Russia, came to America to make my millions, and then with that money, I was going to bring the rest of my family to America, and we were going to live the beautiful American dream. However, things didn't work as I planned. I became homeless, and I ended up sleeping on the benches in the train stations. I went from one rabbi to another rabbi, from one community to another community leader, asking for help. And I kept on hearing, go to the Russian rabbi in Crown Heights. He helps Russian Jews. So I made an appointment at about 2 a.m. was my turn to go into a private audience with the Rebbe, and I see behind me a whole long line still waiting for their appointment time. I come into the Rebbe, the Rebbe asks me to sit. I sit down, and I start talking to the Rebbe. I start telling the Rebbe of my life, of my foolish mistake, thinking I'm just going to come to America and make millions. And then he tells Rabbi Refsin, you know, human nature, when you're talking about something that's, that's embarrassing about yourself, something that that's shameful, you know, I'm homeless, I'm sleeping on park benches, so you don't make eye contact, you look down. So I really wasn't looking at the Rebbe as I was talking. So I was looking down, and as I'm telling the story, it's all coming out of me, and I start crying, and I'm talking about what's going on, my family, me, and everything. I finish, I look up, and I see the Rebbe sitting and crying. I just couldn't believe it. The man never met me. He doesn't know me. He probably hears such stories. I mean, at some level, all the time, people turn to him for help. The man is sitting and crying for the suffering of a Jew that he never met. 
Then he looks at Abba Refsin and says, for such a man, I can put on tefillin. That's why I put on tefillin by his burial spot. That is my personal favorite story of the Rebbe. My friends, this is the ultimate definition in the Rebbe's world of being a man of oneness and a man of many. Loving and caring for another Jew, not as an outsider, but as one of many and many of one. When you can taste that love for another Jew, then you're now talking about being an emissary of the Rebbe. Now you're understanding the point of advantage of Chabad Lubavitch all over the world, and you're understanding what the Rebbe's life and role is all about. You now understand the devotion from a chassid to a Rebbe. As that Russian man said, for such a man, I'll put on tefillin. My friends, this coming Friday, I'm sorry, uh, this is Shabbos before. <laughs> Let me repeat that. Not this coming Friday, next Friday. Because this is all in honor of this week's Torah portion, Shabbos, which is the Shabbat before the birthday. Next Friday, the 11th day of Nisan, is the birthday of a man who cries for the suffering of a man who he has never met. What am I asking, what, am, what I am asking from each and every one of you, including and starting with myself, is this Friday, this coming Friday, the 11th of Nisan, do one act of kindness as a one of many and as a many of one. That's how we celebrate the Rebbe's birthday, and that's understanding the Rebbe, the role of a Rebbe, the relationship between a Chos and a Rebbe, and the point of advantage that Chabad Lubavitch globally has. We are taught that the temple was destroyed because of baseless hatred. My friend, the Friday of the Rebbe's birthday, let's rebuild the temple with an act of baseless love. People, thank you.